We're recording. Uh, this is week, no, episode nine. I'm going to start over. No, I'm not going to start over. We've never started over all year, so we're not going to do that. So uh, you got got season six, episode nine. Uh, I got Stafford, who's who's breathing into the phone here. If you hear him, uh, stop doing that. Uh, calling in from Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, Stafford and Jesse are back together. Sorry, to, we've gotten a lot of feedback from the fans about like, you know, how do we start a podcast and then sort of splinter off? But it, a lot of it's due to Stafford's international playboy lifestyle. So he, he's he's dialing in from where exactly are you in Vegas? Okay, so I'm actually at uh, Domino's Rally, which is a um, every two years. It's a convention that they hold in Vegas. I'm you, at the you just play the you play the game, game right? The little hand. the little black squares, and you just it's like a tournament. It's like the World Series of Poker, but you you guys play dominoes, right? Uh, no, it's actually my Domino's pizza client. But I will say this: I didn't realize I was so sensitive because Jesse, you don't know this because you've been on you've been off Facebook, but a hashtag. Movement had started on the pod that only I was in. <laughs> hashtag was bring back Jesse, and I, you know, like I think I, it was in that moment that I realized that the pod had really become a national movement and maybe an international movement, and that um, I actually had a really, really soft skin. I need to toughen up. I need to ignore the hashtag of bring back Jesse. But what we've done is we're giving the people what they want. It, we're reunited on the, you know, on, essentially. On the on the morning after the a huge climax on Game of Thrones, huge. and frankly one of the biggest sporting events of all time, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers winning the NBA Finals in Game Seven against the Hawks. Yeah, and, and there was apparently some kickball matches played internationally too, but we're we're not going to talk about that here. There's there's a whole other station of <laughs> podcasts for that. But yeah, you know the the truth is we don't like to do these things remotely because I feel like that when you when you're calling in. It takes a lot of the chemistry out of it, but we're going to go for it. Like I said, from calling in from Vegas, and uh, I guess I guess we can we can really just get into it. So last night's Game of Thrones episodes, we knew it was going to be sort of the big one all year. We you know some of our insiders told us that this was going to be the most expensive budget uh, spent on an episode to date. I think I think we all saw that. Uh, anyone in the production world knows when you involve that many animals, it gets very expensive, especially horses. But, uh, you know, we knew this could be a huge episode, and, and it's funny, like, I watched the whole thing, and it was fantastic, and we'll get into the details, and then I look at my wife, who has sort of been the the person that's been kind of explaining the show as it goes to me for, for six years, and I looked at her, I was like, so, honey, like, what am I supposed to talk about tomorrow? And she's like, I think that was just sort of... Action. It was just like a summer blockbuster. It was just just action from there. There was not really a lot of theories. There wasn't a lot of mysteries. It was just a lot of the stuff that we said sort of coming to fruition. So, um, I don't know, Stafford, overall thoughts on it, and then we can get into some of the winners and losers from last night. You know what? I think I felt the same way as you. I felt like a lot of action is being carried out, and uh, I'm ready to just dive right into the winners and losers of last night. All right, well, uh, I'll start with one. Um you know, I'm just going to go with uh, my first winner is is Hillary 2016. Uh, I think that we saw this sort of women's power movement last night in, in Game of Thrones with with Daenerys, with uh, Reek's sister. I don't know her name. 
And, totally agree. And then yeah. Sansa sort of proving that, that she's clearly the brains of that operation. Uh, <laughs> absolutely so. So Team Hillary <laughs> all the way, big winner coming out of last night. And, uh, you know, uh, women in leadership positions was sort of – we're seeing it in the Seven Kingdoms for the first time. I don't know if they're related at all, but uh, I definitely like that. What about you, Steph? Well, okay, so let me just add on to that. I think that, um, you know, there's been some criticism about the show that it's sexist, and I think last night proved essentially completely that there are incredibly strong and unique female characters all over Westeros and beyond. Um, but, you know, just like you said that the Hillary movement has gained momentum, I think the big question is, 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 is the Hillary movement ready to truly out Bernie Sanders down at <laughs> King's Landing next week? You know, yes. we, we, definitely, we definitely want to know, because Bernie, despite theoretically having lost in real life, definitely has still got his um, flaws all the way in King's Landing. So, yes. We hope he's a future, you know, a future loser. You know, on that same note, like when I mentioned Sansa, so for every winner there has to be a loser, and and, and the loser in that situation is Jon Snow's military skills. I mean, could he have walked more into that whole situation? (laughs) That was one of the worst, uh, you know, just easily manipulated moves by anybody. And and I think if if you're any of Jon Snow's lieutenants, you're kind of thinking, like, that was pretty embarrassing, John. <laughs> yeah, we're all out here really prepared to die for you. We're all prepared to die for you, and, and you're out in the middle of a field by yourself getting arrows rained down on you. Uh, this is not a good look for our leader. I mean, I know that the man bun has, like, elevated you to sort of a new status, but, I mean, the, guy, the guy's got some endurance, and he, he plowed through a lot, and, and honestly, the trampled under the bodies was one of the most... I don't know, next to the Red Wedding, wedding gave me probably the most anxiety of just watching him just get suffocated and smothering under those bodies. But just overall, sort of just military, basic sense, one-on-one, Jon Snow, huge loser, invite some females into your small council meetings or something, but uh, it's, not, it's not working for, for you there. Yeah, the, the military strategy seemed a little bit simple, and they also just seemed to call off the meeting because they were tired. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we should just go to sleep. Well, I think the the other thing that I was thinking, and you know, Game of Thrones obviously didn't pull the trigger on it, was when the cavalry was about to run him over. I was thinking this would be the stockiest stock move to have happened since Ned got his head chopped off for being honorable. You know, I was just thinking if Game of Thrones actually kills him now after all the work they've done, you know, what a stock death. I, you know, but that just shows how how great this show. Obviously, we love it. We talk about it too much, uh, but you know, I thought he was going to die when the cavalry was coming out of him. I just could not see a scenario Me that too, to did, be honest. you know. I was like, okay, so Stark number one down. Okay, half Stark that's still remaining. Like, even though we've been talking all year about him being a Targaryen and his sort of destiny there, I, I just did not see him sort of dodging that cavalry. No, totally. But, you know, totally. on the safe um, thing, I want to talk about John a little bit more and we'll get into it too because, like, uh, you know, we talked about him being a loser for his military strategy, but when it comes for uh, combat endurance, total winner right there. The, the guy was like, well, it's, it's, yeah. Couldn't agree more. He has cardio for days. Like, that, that really looked like some kind of... Um, 
you know, Gene Carafa doing an Ironman in there, you know, but at even higher heart rate. Very impressed with his cardio. Yeah, well, he comes up on Ramsey, and Ramsey is totally fresh from just sitting there smirking like a douchebag for the last hour while everybody's out there getting chopped up. And, and, and Snow, who's been trampled, you know, sprinting, dodging arrows, all this stuff, just rolls up on him and beats his face in. That's it. That, that, it's all you got. You know, I would have probably, if I was Ramsey, maybe shot him in the ankle with one of those arrows instead of just blasting. I mean, clearly the guy's got good aim, and you're not gaining a lot from just putting arrows into a man's shield. So seemed like pretty, I mean, Ramsey seems to kind of know what he's doing, but it seemed like pretty poor uh, planning on his side. But uh, let me ask you this on the endurance front, Stafford. So LeBron played 47 minutes last night. Jon Snow probably killed 60 people and then ended up by beating Ramsey's face into a bloody mess. So from an endurance standpoint, who was more impressive last night? Well, it's got to be LeBron James. He has some of the worst teammates. I mean, he's essentially like playing with the dumbest man in the NBA and J.R. Smith, who I believe was riding a hoverboard into work, and they blew up on him and nearly injured him earlier in the season. So (laughs) I think that, like, was that before or after their coach got fired? Yeah. I guess that was last year, I think. Either way. Yeah, and, and, and also, think of, think of talking about that, think about how LeBron, how exhausted LeBron is from being the coach and the GM, too. So he's, he's playing the game, but he's also coaching the game and GMing the game, and you've got to worry about the LeBron brand and, and the hairline. You know, so I think, all in all, LeBron had way more many, way many more things to worry about on the evening and um, way greater feat of endurance. Yeah, I mean... Le- and I want, I want some money. I bet it's the first time I've ever bet on sports that uh, cash straight up to win 25 bucks. I'm, I'm now the happy winner of, uh, of, I believe, about $30. <laughs> nice. That, 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 that'll get <laughs> you a long way in, in Las Vegas today. But, you know, I will say, on top of all that, LeBron also is father of two, and I don't know if you noticed at the end of the game, but his... His eldest son, who is probably in middle school at this point, is is probably a foot taller than I am. Uh, did you see the size of that kid? But uh, yeah, LeBron's got a lot going that on. That kid is clearly. Uh, the yeah. Nike agents are clearly going to be circling uh, LeBron Jr. Because to say, like, I actually had a talk to Harold. You know, shout out to Harold, who was our ex um, webmaster. Fired, we fired webmaster. Like, he was fired a, for not doing his job, which is he why. Was, he was fired. Yeah. Okay. And he, yeah, he lost all of our digital files, which was just essentially archives of complete classics. Um, that's like, you know, losing Charles Dickens novels. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we were trying to think of, was there, was there a biggest sports event in the history of sports? Because basically nobody had ever come back from three, one down, um, to win on, on an opponent's home court, an opponent that was, you know, basically considered to be the best regular season team of all time at that point against a unanimous MVP. Um, you know, we were trying to think of, are there, was it the biggest sporting moment of all time? And we could only come up with two biggest sporting moments. One was when USA beat USSR in hockey in the Olympics. We think that was definitively a bigger moment than this. And um, I forget what the other one was. Oh, 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 it was... Sorry, I can't remember the other one. That's it. But we, like, I guess my question for you is, like, how big do you think that sports moment was last night for LeBron? You know, I, I don't. I, don't, I think it was. I think people were very emotionally invested in this. You know, 
because because LeBron and the promise and the letter and, and, and to bring the championship back to Cleveland. But when it comes to like all time and, and instant classics and stuff like that, I, I just don't I just don't think it's there because you can't really act like it was a massive upset when you have LeBron James on one side of the team. You know, it's just it's just not it's just not there. And, you know, at the end of the day, Golden State was good, but they not really. They barely even made it into the finals. They limped into the finals. You know, the team pretty much choked all the way through the playoffs there. You know, Steph Curry, you know, should have his MVP, honestly, probably taken away for, for missing the complete rim and backboard a few times and just chucking that up and out of bounds behind the back passes. And so, you know, he, he, he he's number one on my list of losers for last night. I mean, so, you know, the fact that people were even hinting that these guys were on the same caliber as the 96 Bulls is, is, is frankly insulting uh, to anyone that knows anything about sports. So, you know, I, I think that I think the Red Sox coming back in 2004 in the postseason was a little bit more sort of epic in that sense because of their championship drought and sort of what it meant to those fans. I think you've got to throw in, I don't know, Kevin Costner getting two first-round draft picks in a fake draft in the movie Draft Day. (laughs) I think people have been talking about that ever since it sort of pretended to happen. But I don't know. I, I just think, I don't know. It, it, it It's a big moment. You know, I, I always, you know, when I think of like random like things that could have really changed sports, I think back to a couple of years ago when that guy from Butler almost nailed a half quarter against Duke in the championship. And like those are the ones that people would just write about and talk about and play over. But, you know, I, I don't think I don't think this is there just yet. But, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, time will tell and we'll see kind of how Cleveland reacts. But, it's still impressive, nonetheless, for them no. to go from worst re- worst record in the league for four years to back to back finals, and now and now beating this fake best team ever. No, totally, totally. And uh, you know, I've actually just got some winners and losers falling out of that. Obviously, one of the winners is Michael Jordan's seventy two win Bulls. You know that Jordan is is getting his social media coordinator, and everybody who posted the crying Jordan meme. He's going to respond to them individually and maybe just insult them personally. Well, I mean, uh, who sure doesn't have a so- <laughs> no? You, you doesn't have a social media coordinator is Dennis Rodman. If you saw his tweet from last night, just pulling no punches. Like, no, I did. what did he say? Uh, just basically like <laughs> best regular season team is not winning the championship. All you know, just some sort of unintelligible Dennis Rodman sort of putting putting the Warriors in place. But like, it's funny you mention that because with. I, as a Bulls fan and, and a huge MJ fan, I was looking at it as like, okay, if the Cavs win, you know, then that that's great, great for Scotty and Pitt, you know, and Rodman and the other guys on that Bulls team, you know, because now they are for sure the greatest team of all time, and you can't even compare them anymore. But on the flip side, this just inches LeBron sort of one big step closer to what Michael did. I mean, he he won the championship, you know, on his back, and, and so. Even if it would have went the other way, then we'd be talking about how LeBron can't win the big game. And, you know, uh, I always like to say, do you remember that awesome NBA Finals Game 7 that Michael Jordan had? And the answer is no, because he always took care of that shit in five game, or six games or less. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's just my rant on it. So, Dennis Rodman, to be clear, on the list of winners coming out of last night, he's a crazy person. And then a lot of other celebrities, like Rihanna was even trolling Steph Curry last night, because I don't know if you know, she's a huge LeBron fan. Whoa, I didn't know that. Well, actually, it's, it's really funny. We've actually, um, like, I, 
I noticed that there's actually, you know how Steph Curry chews his mouthpiece, his mouth guard? Um, yeah. There's actually this meme that's starting that Steph Curry is a baby, and that's a pacifier. So big loser last night, Steph Curry. Also, surprise loser in Cleveland, the couches. Um, I'm actually reading reports on the Cleveland Plain Dealer that a record number of couches have been set on fire in Cleveland in, in victory. So, um, you know, I think I think there's going to be a, a lot of empty living rooms this morning and, you know, people sitting on milk I mean, crates. Is that the most Cleveland thing you can do is 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 burn your couch? <laughs> well, you know, it also could have just been some kind of Ikea play to um, <laughs> generate demand, but... Two hundred dollars. You know, like I think I'm also surprised. I'm also surprised more violent riots didn't happen in Cleveland. Well, Apparently, like, I, and this this is true. Um, Harold told me that he read a report that somebody had stolen a fire truck in Cleveland and was driving it around town. Hey, I mean, I hope I, you know. All seriousness aside, it would be nice to get get through one of these championships without anyone getting seriously injured. And uh, you know, one thing on the Steph Curry front, and I think we we got a whole other list, and we probably should actually talk about Game of Thrones at some point again. But uh, I think that if you look close and you really think about when Steph Curry sort of fell off, I know he got hurt in the postseason, all that, but but the real underlying issue is when he came out with those male cheerleader shoes. Uh, and and launched <laughs> all the chefs. Yeah, they're awful. The the only people that should be wearing shoes like that are male cheerleaders and male nurses because they are just terrible shoes and or, not MVPs. Yeah, or who are playing pickup basketball. Maybe American tourists in Rome with a fanny pack could wear those too, but only if you have gray socks. Anybody, anybody who's getting the early bird dinner at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I totally if, agree. if you move sideways, and, and you I can't really wear had... those shoes. They are so terrible. And if you haven't looked at Steph Curry's awful shoes, Google Steph Curry's <laughs> awful shoes, and you'll know that we are not even exaggerating at all. They are, they are, they are totally set up for uh, Shoney's buffet, and that's about it. That's the most athletic thing you can do with them is carry three plates, you know, from your buffet table to your booth at Shoney's, and then, and then you're good to go. Yeah, the chefs have been one of the biggest losers. Uh, the chef shoes that they're called the chef curries been one of the biggest losers. And I think that, like, I really wish I keep on uh, googling people's Q score, which is a measurement of how powerful their celebrity is. But I really think that you know, in five years, we're going to look at uh, Steph's Q score, and really we can we can like at the watershed moment is going to be when the chef curries came out, kind of like his draft day, if you will. Um, here's Kevin Costner's draft day movie, and I think it's all downhill from here for Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I, I think that this this is going to be the moment where we're just like, whoa. Like, you know, you, you pull together the season, and I don't want to take away from him because he was lights out during the regular season. And then he just came out with a, a gross pair of shoes. So, I mean, some something else Jordan would never do. So, uh, let's go on. And then one last thing I want to talk about on, on the winners as it relates to basketball are all the fathers out there. Has there ever been a greater gift is Game 7 on Sunday night of Father's Day. How perfect is that? It's probably happened before, but, man, that was fantastic. Way to just cap off that and then what I still think is probably one of the best episodes of, uh, of Game of Thrones. Are you brushing your teeth, Stafford? We hear you. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was, actually, that was actually me putting hives into a cup. Well, I completely agree with you, and, and I've got a touching story from the NBA Finals. Um, you know, I, like I'm obsessed with J.R. Smith being the dumbest man in the NBA, but he came the to John the John Snow of the NBA conference. <laughs> the John Snow of the NBA. He actually came. He came good. He said, "Everybody thinks I do bad. 
and everybody's always disappointed in me, but it's always been about my family, and my family has always come first. Dad, I love you. I, I shit you not, Dad is standing on the side, and they're both crying. So J.R. Smith coming good after uh, after a lifetime and career of just you know terrible decision making, half point threes and all that stuff. There was a lot. There was a lot of man tears last night. I saw. I, I thought. I thought LeBron was going to go full Ray Lewis on us and and just start. Was he killing that? No, no. You go full Ray. You go full Ray Lewis when you when you win a championship. And then you just start making up entire books of the Bible and quoting them, and just just making up. <laughs> That's when you go full Ray. Ray Lewis wins the Super Bowl and just starts starts shouting the gospel, but it, but it's it's actually not the gospel. It's just sort of the gospel gospel by Ray. And, and I thought LeBron was going to go there. He was sort of bellowing for a minute, you know, clearly very happy. But but no, he, he dialed it back before he, before he went. Completely went, but but I mean, just like Ray Lewis, LeBron's got a lot of miles on the tires. So maybe maybe a next next championship or maybe his Twilight Championship, we can get a full Ray Lewis moment at him uh, post game. Love it. Also, and just in closing, also congrats to Kyrie for actually becoming a live body and hitting that. You know, remember when everybody tightened up and it was locked up at eighty nine, eighty nine, and nobody could buy a bucket for like four minutes. And Kyrie just said. Yeah, Kari said, fuck that. Hit a three with a hand in his face. Congrats to that boy. Very proud of him. All right. Uh, so more losers from the show. Uh, I think we've only talked about Jon Snow. Uh, I I've say, got one. Go I've ahead. One. I think that one, of the, one of the biggest losers coming out of last night uh, in terms of Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones was Rickon's agent. So, you know, Rickon's agent gets the call at the start of this season, and they say, hey, buddy, we're going to – get Rickon right back on the show. So Rickon's agent said, listen, buddy, this is your time to shine. You're going to start playing a role. I think I think we've got a lot of stuff with the return of the Starks. There's nothing in the books about your death. So uh, let's get ready to enjoy a Rickon career resurgence. Unfortunately, no. Paul Rickon dies in the middle of the battlefield. And then the insulting, the, the salt in the wound, the insulting additional camera shot of him getting just riddled with arrows when he's already dead. But yeah. that was a little bit much. So yeah, he, he, he probably had to be there for an entire second day of filming just to have his dead body with arrows sort of right there for that shot. <laughs> but uh, no, what a what a fantastic job! Like I always thought that the the Battle of Sterling of Braveheart was probably the best on camera sort of medieval battle that I'd ever seen, and. I know that there was a little more CG into into last wait, night. Wait, you're putting it above Braveheart? No, no, no. You actually, didn't let me finish. Close to sacrilege. No, no, no. I I I think that Sterling is still the benchmark. But what I liked about last night that it that this element of it was better than better than that battle was just the speed that it was happening. Right. I know it was like a lot of CG things, so it makes it a little bit easier. But uh, you know, when 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 those two when the cavalry sort of Converge right at Jon Snow. Just the the fury and the the horses running over people and just like boom, boom, boom. Just all that happening at once. It was like watching the Braveheart battle like a little bit fast forward, like one point five speed or something like that. So so clearly not better. 
Uh, but but in that area, I thought it was like a really well done scene. It just looked a little too fakey for me. You know, you want to see a little more realism in, in something like that. But uh, man, things were moving fast there for a while. But then the Jon Snow trampling scene, that was fantastically shot. And then even when Jon Snow was sort of going through the crowd, that, that camera position behind him, I thought was, was sort of a perspective of battle that we hadn't seen. So there was a lot good there. Uh, I don't know, did, did, did you not like this? Did, what did you think? Well, well, I think that, first of all, I want to tease um, an episode I believe we have planned coming up this week as we just deliver you with a nonstop barrage of Game of Thrones. Yeah, subscribe if you, had, subscribe if you haven't, because this yeah. is, we're, we're coming strong this week to, to really crank out a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of people that have been lined up to be guests, and uh, they're going to yeah. get on us. Yeah, and I want to tease, I believe that we have Blair Williams and David Irons coming on to break down the specific uh, battle tactics used and really take a deep dive into the battle. Um, but, no, I agree overall, well shot. Um, and I, I really thought there was, there was that kind of um, over-the-shoulder camera um, shot where he was dodging all the horses and stuff like that. Yeah, that was wonderful. I thought that was very, very well done. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, you know what? I want to give you another loser, and let's, let's go off the battlefield back to the camp, and it's the Red Woman. I, I had now, her down, too. I had her down, too. Yes. Hell... hell Hell hath no fury like an onion knight scorned. So Davos has taken his walk. He discovers Shireen's toy. And you better know that his name is the Lord because he's coming back to Camp Baby and the Red Woman, essentially who's, who's now like just sitting around doing nothing, giving him advice like don't lose. She's got, she's got very little like divine wisdom to give. And um, I think Davos is coming back to claim what's his because you do not fuck with Shireen and... And his, you know, it, I can't wait for the vengeance to be, to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's upon the red woman. She's proper fucked. And like the other thing is, I was just really <laughs> unimpressed with her. Yeah, she she also kind of doesn't give a shit because like, you know, she's like Janice from accounting. Janice from accounting. There, she's just like, oh yeah, you know, I, I sort of read the signs the best I can. Sorry, I burned a girl, and if I have to bring you back from the dead. I may do it again and again and again. So, uh, yeah, it, it didn't seem like Melisandre really has her shit together. Like, if you're going to burn a little girl, like, you you got to make sure it's the right Lord of Light that you're helping. I mean, it, it's just kind of messed up. But, uh, yeah, I just, I loved her sort of aloof attitude, just like, maybe I'll bring you back from the dead. You'll never know. Uh, but, yeah, which is kind of what I was thinking about when I thought they maybe did that scene, you know, when I thought there for, like, two seconds that Jon Snow was going to get trampled and decapitated by a horse that she was going to have to sort of stitch him back together and he was going to be sort of <laughs> back to Ray Lewis again, sort of just, like, taped up and then thrown back in there until he <laughs> basically becomes a, uh, a shell of his former self. Uh, but uh, go well, ahead. I want to set you up. I want to set you up here. Like, I think we've got to shift back to the winner's column because, you know, if we stay on the battlefield, you know, he's our boy. He's essentially, you know, our spirit animal of the podcast. Peter motherfucking Baelish. Once again, consolidating power. Like, you know, Jesse, I know that you must have been thrilled to see him. How did you feel when you saw Baelish run onto the field and save everyone? Well, I mean... Obviously, we knew it was going to happen as as we've been foreshadowing this about where, you know, Littlefinger isn't just going to hang out, you know, on the side. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's... 
that's what we wanted. And Sansa wrote the note to him uh, clearly, and and kind of went 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 against her brother, who's who's a dipshit and doesn't know what's going on. So yeah, <laughs> good to see him sort of back in the mix. And I liked a little bit of a hint towards next week where you know he's like, y- you know what I want. And you know, I think I think that you know him saving the entire Stark family and taking Winterfell uh, wouldn't have happened without him doing this. So he's he's sort of owed a pretty big favor by uh, Miss Sansa there. So uh, I think we still need to get to the point where we address whether the fact she's pregnant or not. I think we we hinted to it again last night when Ramsay said, "I'll always be a part of you." Uh, I, I kind of secretly hope she's not pregnant because I feel like that's just such a buzzkill to have. I'm, I'm, We'll get into how terrible Ramsey is and how we're we're really glad that we've moved on with that. But yeah, Littlefinger's clearly got a massive favor that he's going to be cashing in from uh, from Little Miss Sansa there. So I think this is really kind of the moment where. But what do you think? Do you think? Do you think he's going to ask for her hand in marriage? Absolutely, that's what he's always wanted. They're going to rule like. Oh. He, wow. I mean, you. I think in episode four we said that that when we talked about what do we think. Littlefinger's plan is. I'm like, well, he's got control of the veil now, and then when she now will have control, basically, she's she's still Ramsay's heir, and you know maybe has you know, so she now has those two houses and Winterfell and everything else. So like between the two of them, they own the, the stock. No, you're right. They own the whole and, yeah, north. Yeah, Rick on is dead. Yep. Yeah, Rick on is dead, and Bran is assumed dead. So she becomes the yeah. So he essentially would unify the North. Yep. And I think, and I think that you know, we talk about extra Game of Thrones content. You know, the the reality TV show Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I think if they marry, Keeping Up with the Baelishes is really going to be an interesting show. Just following Sansa around with her entourage and. And you know what are the Baelish is doing? I think are, we've are got. You, are you thinking it's a more lot. like a? We could we could run that TV show for years. Is this more like a Chloe and 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 Courtney take Miami situation, or are we thinking this is more like a a Scott Disick sort of spinoff uh, situation? <laughs> uh, I don't even know who Scott Disick is, but uh, you know, he's I guess the, the best next to next to Brody Jen next to Brody Jenner and. Uh, Justin Bobby, he's like the best person that's ever been on that show. He's he's like the new Spencer Pratt. Okay, okay so I'm ready to take us to um, back off the battlefield, and I'll give you a couple more losers. The two smaller dragons. What happened to you guys? Well, they were in captivity. Dragons in captivity don't eat. Vitamin D? No, dragons in captivity those, those don't eat. We talked about. like little worms next to Drogon. Those little dragons don't scare anybody. Like They're, they're like oversized bats right now. You could not be happy if you're them. You're looking at your big brother Drogon, who's now eight times your size. Um, Viserys and uh, whatever they're called, big losers. You know, I, I I think that I could take one of them out if I had a good shot. Right? Well, yeah, you just you just sort of whack it out of the air with some sort of a like a fur branch or something, like a stick. Uh, yeah, Remember the, those the, like electric electrified slice waters? I think yeah. give me an oversized one of them. I'm taking down Viserys. But you know. We we knew this was going to happen. We talked about dragons in captivity and you know all that, and they they don't eat and they're and they're and they're lazy. And I'm I'm glad their wings even still work after all this time. But yeah, the uh, the Great other point. The Great o- point. Maybe they should be thankful. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're just resting. But yeah, I would say that they're they're probably losers coming out of it. Clearly, uh, I think that the Tyrion Daenerys dynamic is kind of interesting too because. 
You know, he never really respect. Oh, yeah. He we never really that. respects anyone, uh, as far as I could tell. Like he never really thought highly of his dad. He's never obviously like Joffrey and really swore into the whole crown this and that. But I think when when he gives Daenerys advice to do one thing, and then she comes out and she's like, "I'm going to burn their ships and I'm going to do this," and then blah, blah blah, like, and then basically just calls her shot uh, in kind of a baller sort of way. He's kind of like, okay, may- maybe I should listen to this woman. So what do you think? Do you think he actually is just kind of supporting her because he should and, you know, he has no other options or he actually is is, is on board with the dragon lady? Okay, so th- I think that's a fascinating question because you know how we've been asking the question, is Daenerys actually a villain and is she going to become a tyrant? I think we, we saw that kind of shift in that speech where she's like, look, basically I just want to kill everyone. And she had that blank stare on her face that, I mean, it could be bad acting, but it could just be her becoming a complete tyrant. I think she's probably just trying to memorize her lines, but then the, the, the long play elbow handshake was, 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 was pure acting gold. (laughs) I mean, clearly there was the sexual tension of Costner and Jennifer Gardner in a closet going on there because, uh, Reek's sister's down for whatever. I mean, she said it. And, uh, I think that was a little bit on the nose. Like, you know, that's a little bit on the nose. Like, I, yeah, I definitely thought that you, you don't really just kind of like throw that around in, in the throne room when you're negotiating kind of massive kingdom deals that you also wouldn't mind having lesbian sex. But, you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's kind of the way they do it. Also, like, that happens. Like you you, you tell me that doesn't happen in the Oval Office or in, in you know, the, the throne room all around the world, <laughs> you know? Angela Merkel, he's. He's at the dinner with Angela Merkel, and she says, you know, we should negotiate peace with Putin, but by the way, I'm also down for whatever. I'm down for whatever. What about this guy over here? Oh, I'm not fit to rule anything. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> well, well, how about this? I thought that, that how is this going to go down? You know how, how she said, no more reaving and no more raping. Everybody clearly looked a little from Dianne. <laughs> she's bit she's like, that that's way. what we do. Like, yeah, it's literally... A raping is our way of life. Squad so goals all the way. <laughs> Guys, I know that you've really enjoyed uh, sailing on your boats to jump and you know rape the local village people. Got to say that's got to come to an end. That's going to hurt Yara's popularity. Yeah, that's going to be a, a a real reinvention of the Iron Islands uh, way of life. <laughs> Hey guys, just just keep just keep doing what you're doing, only minus the raping, murdering, killing, pillaging, burning part. And uh, yeah, just 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 let me know how that works out. So they're 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 rendered useless. But I did think it was interesting how they 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 came and asked for independence. Independence. Now Daenerys is already acting like she rules the the world, even though she's basically trapped in one slave city and you know doesn't have a lot to stand on right there but she's like already making rules for the whole kingdoms and and granting independence to people that she sees fit so it was interesting on one hand she's she's very vengeful and and gonna burn burn everyone down but on the other hand she's like just no more raping and slaving and all that stuff so i I mean I, i i'm i'm into it so i think that one thing that could save the iron island is you know VR is finally coming around and, and getting to where it should be. I think if you drop off a bunch of VR headsets with pornography for the Iron Islanders, I think maybe you can kind of satiate that need to rape for a while. Yeah. That's, that, you know, that's a whole of it for a moment. 
I love that one. That that might be an all time quote when she's like, "No more raping and pillaging." That's our entire way of life. That's what we do. <laughs> well, what you know? Uh, so I think yeah, we talked about. I mean, I've I've gone through my entire list of of losers and winners. Uh, well filmed battle, mountain of dead body. We're gonna talk about battle strategy later. Uh, so let's just get into let's wrap it up because we're we're about at that time limit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Yeah, we're way over, but I love it. Yeah, I, I, I would have to unlock my phone to see how many minutes we have. I think we've been we run our mouth for a while. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about predictions for next week. Uh, I missed. I, I like that we're cutting back to uh, the Sparrow situation in King's Landing. Cersei just needs to deal with. I, I've been now we're all the way in. I've been waiting for this war the entire time. I feel like it's been a massive letdown of you know the Lannister army. She doesn't have an army, so I don't expect much. But she's had this huge Frank control with her the whole time. And he's he's done one sort of face rip and a couple of head smashes and that and that's it. So let's uh let, let's get some action in King's Landing uh before the season ends so we can get in next year. But what do you see happening there? So like in the scene that was for next week, you can see that clearly Loris is on trial. So my take is um Marjorie is such a puppet master that she has to have some way that she's going to get Loris out of trouble there, right? Like, she's just too smart to let Loris die. Unless I mean, she I th- sacrifices Loris. I, I don't... I mean, Marjorie doesn't have a lot of uh, tricks up her sleeve. I feel like that she could do, like, a nip slip, but that's, like, her only move. So... <laughs> hey, Bernie, check this out. Okay, now let my brother go. But other than that, she, she doesn't really have much beyond there. Uh, so, okay, so actually, this is genius. So you're saying... The trial of the seven happened. Things go badly. Trial of the she, century. She does a wardrobe malfunction, and I'm saying like the, the amount of the amount of the amount of tactics that she could have to get in this are, are probably a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, but 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 other than that, I don't think she can do much. And then Cersei's clearly muddied up things by by eliminating the trial by combat option. So it seems like the wildfire is the only you know ace card, which they did talk about it again, sort of unnaturally when when Tyrion mentioned, "Oh, did you know what your dad was going to do to uh, Daenerys?" And which is further sort of showing what what uh, Cersei's up to. So, you know, obviously Jamie's going to have to go in and, and stab her in the stomach uh, to prevent that from happening because Jamie's still a good guy at heart. Uh, but you know, I, I didn't. Oh, that blows my mind. Can I just say I'm just so into and shout out to Tyler Ganerka. Like I'm sure Maester of Theories, Tyler Ganerka. Yeah, but but I just I think I think he's so on point because if Lightbringer comes from killing someone you love. Like who does who does Jon Snow love? Like you know, like Jamie Lannister's like I feel like he's so solid because like I, I just think like who could Jon Snow kill? Like Jon Snow's never going to kill Sansa, you know. Like and there's he doesn't have a lover. Like I just I feel like maybe he needs totally I mean, could be a red herring. Do you, do you think it's been long enough that that Snow can take on another lover? Is he still into the wildling I mean, chick? Well, how about this? What do you think? Do you say, oh fuck! I hope they don't do this thing where they see each other across the battlefield, and and Daenerys' terrible acting is is trying to sell a love between him and Jon Snow. No, no, Daenerys and oh, him are brother. They're I mean, half. They're they're related. I guess that make doesn't. Really oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So then, who would he fall in love with? I don't know. But uh, speaking of lovers, though, it was good to see Daenerys' lover riding on a uh, horse. 
Uh, you know, I'm sure Morgan and Jordan were pretty pretty excited about that one. Uh, you know, <laughs> the 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 former music producer from ABC's hit series Nashville, which has actually just been brought back from the dead, John Snow style, for another season after being canceled for the third time. So. Uh, it's kind of the new Friday Night Lights out there, but uh, it's coming back. And so he he was on there. I know that he was a big hit in the Sexiest People of the Seven Kingdoms episode, but so good to see him back on there. But yeah, Jon Snow needs to love someone in order to like be the prince that was promised, and I, I don't really see that. So it's definitely got to be Jamie by default. Unless and- we, unless we're ignoring the whole Lightbringer thing, you know, because Lightbringer really hasn't been. Um, talked about on the show at all, so I, don't, I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know. Well, uh, what's what's Bran? Where's Bran at during all this? That's what I want to know. I mean, I feel like that he could have been like at least flying over the battle and maybe bird shitting on Ramsey's head or something. But uh, yeah, wh- where was he in this whole mix? I, I don't know. I, I, it's one of my most frustrating thing about the show is how people just disappear. I know there's too many characters to keep tabs on everybody, but you know they all seemingly Do you remember how, like how little value. He's just provides so little value. The only thing that Bran has done of any, like, substance is kind of showing us some of the flashbacks. And, like, we could have just done those fucking flashbacks without him underneath the giant tree. The, the compost pile? I know. I, he's, he's like the equivalent of the Sand Snakes in my mind, which if we don't see them again this season, it's just like, what were you doing? You know, even, and, and even like the hound out there with... You know the hound and, and bringing him back, and I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what we'll do in the finale. Since we got to wrap this up today, is just sort of talk about all the open plot lines and if they're even relevant or not, and which ones they should kill before going into the next season. Uh, and then we'll have to. We also want to do a little bit of a shout out to a potential new podcast opportunity called "You Got Bald," which will be a uh, breakdown of HBO's <laughs> Ballers, <laughs> starring Dwayne Rock now, Johnson. Okay, and I do want to give you. Yeah, I do want to give you guys the the breakdown on this. Um, Jesse and I are keen to create another vehicle after the Game of Thrones podcast, and um, he has convinced me that at, at the very least we do need to check in on the premiere and and drop some thoughts on that. So so definitely look out for that podcast. You, you got bald. Uh, we won't be changing the URL because our webmaster former webmaster Harold Jones who was terminated uh, will, will not be able to help us but uh, you had a potential spinoff so, and, and these aren't joke spinoffs these are these are real spinoffs so if you see me you know text me or, or send an email to our PR people uh, about like we might also do an Olympic Olympic themed podcast coming up later this summer but but definitely we will be we'll be doing a proper review of the premiere of HBO's hit series back for a second season Ballers starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, that's all I got, Stafford. Well, wonderful to talk to you, Jesse. Uh, Thank and you. Do you know what else is a winner and loser coming out of this weekend? Stafford, because he's in Las Vegas, and Jesse is a loser who is is somewhere in a enclosed office with no windows. So, uh, on that note, until <laughs> uh, like I said, hit subscribe if you haven't, because we're gonna be pumping out some stuff later this week. And uh, you know, David Irons and, and Blair on uh, battle strategy and, and sort of that, and, and maybe even getting uh, our Maester of Theories back on to help us help us wrap up some stuff. So, uh, thanks again for listening and making us so successful and internet famous and massively popular in all the comments and non-negative things you say. Uh, That's it. Thank you, guys. Love you. Thank you for having me on, Jesse. Hey, you're the man, Staffy. Oh, my God, this is 43 minutes. No one's ever going to listen to this.